This is where the NBA has to kind of look at itself and say, okay, we have to handle this. We have to make sure our teams are enforcing these rules and regulations, following, following the health and safety protocols. And hopefully we can continue the season because Monday, January 11th edition of the TV on Basketball podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're all having a fantastic day, and thank you for taking time out of your day to click onto this video or listen on any of the podcast networks. Before we start, I have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe so you won't miss a, a podcast episode or my YouTube-exclusive videos that come out every Wednesday, so please show your support there. That would be highly appreciated. And for all the podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review if you're on Apple. Like I said, if you're from the U.S. or somewhere outside of Canada, just send me a DM if you love, if you love to review, and I will definitely shout you out. As for Spotify, Anchor, and Podbean listeners, continue to support you to show your support in any way possible, that would be that would be very much appreciated. I have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about some Lamelo Ball. We're going to be talking about some of the NBA COVID updates. There's a lot to get to in the show. So yeah, thank you for joining me. So sit back, relax, and let's get right into this because this is going to be an action-filled episode. And we got to start with the COVID update. Ever since I talked about last episode that Steph Curry's brother, Seth Curry, member of the Philadelphia 76ers, um, tested positive for COVID, um, kind of not mid-game, but kind of like within that game. I mean, he wasn't going to play because of the ankle injury, but he had to pull him from the bench because he got tested positive. Some of the people in the other league also tested positive, two of them being um, both from the Boston Celtics, Robert Williams and star Jason Tatum who both have to quarantine for the next 10 to 14 days to make sure that they are no, um, to make sure, you know, they do not spread the virus. And this has kind of like led to other things going on in the league. Maxi Kleber also has to isolate for quite a bit because he came into close contact with someone of COVID. And there are also issues throughout the weekend, like Jonas Valanciunas getting pulled mid-game because he had an inconclusive test which later turned out to be a negative test, so that is good for the Grizzlies. But even after through all this, the NBA still plans to move forward. They, um, these COVID um, cases already affected one of the games that happened on, San- on Sunday, which meant that the Eastern Conference final rematch between the Celtics and the Heat could not occur, as the ni- as nine Celtics players couldn't, you know, um, weren't able to suit up and play. And the Heat had a couple of inconclusive tests. Um, so, you know, those two factors combined, they had to postpone their second game of the season. If you guys remember, the first one was the Oklahoma City Thunder-Houston Rockets game in the first week of the season. But no one really tested positive there, so that is a good thing. But a team who um, had these issues, similar to the Boston Celtics, uh, and still had to play, was the 76ers. Because not only did Seth Curry test a positive for COVID, five other players also had to isolate. Joel Embiid um, was out um, with injury. I believe it had something to do with his back or something. And also Ben Simmons had some knee contusions. So, 
Yeah, it was a really weird situation. It was the 76ers versus the Denver Nuggets in the matinee game. And it really did look like the 76ers were going to have to forfeit because they only had seven players available. And for these games, you're going to need eight, according to league rules. So what did they have to do? They had to um, um, ask Mike Scott to suit up, but not play. That was the <laughs> that was kind of the solution there. And yeah, the 76ers basically played six, seven guys out there. A lot of these guys um, don't really see the court much and were forced into the starting lineup. They, and surprisingly, you know, they only lost by 12 to the to the um, Denver Nuggets, 115-103. I wonder if the start of this game was Tyrese Maxey. Um, they drafted him, I believe, in the 20s of the first round. And he looked like he was going to be maybe a nice backup guard for them. And he showed some of his potential. And for those who were watching the game, you saw like during the like before the broadcast, you know, when they showed the starting lineups and stuff. They didn't even have a team photo for him. They had to use like one of his senior year photos, um, or you know, photos from you know from his college days. But he played in this game. He scored thirty five points, and yeah, you know, he proved in this game that you know maybe the Sixers have to look at the situation and say, you know, maybe we have to give this guy more minutes. And he's gonna be getting the opportunities because he, like I said, um, just like. A majority of their players, like more than half the roster, was not available. So we're going to see a lot more of Tyrese Maxey, and hopefully, you know, he gets his opportunity. But one of the things that, you know, came out of this game, which, you know, is reasonable, is Joel Embiid, you know, after the game saying, okay, you guys made us play against the Denver Nuggets with basically none of players. So we had to kind of like, you know, work around the rules just so we won't forfeit. And you um, allowed, you know, the Heat. Celtics game to get postponed, and, you know, it makes sense, you know, um, the 76ers were kind of frustrated that, you know, they had to be forced to play while the uh, this other game, which had very similar scenario, I mean, the only thing um, that was different about that game was, you know, the Heat had inconclusive tests, but they decided to postpone that game instead. Yeah, I, I kind of understand, you know, where they're coming from, Joel Embiid obviously kind of had, like, some, like, minor injury, and I think... He, like Inna said, he's kind of worried about, like, you know, spreading the virus. But, you know, that inconclusive test on the Heat side, I mean, there was no problems with the Nuggets. So, I believe that was the reason why they went forward with this anyway. But, you know, since there was, like, no problem from, from the Nuggets side and the Heat still had some inconclusive tests, I think that was the reason why they postponed it. Would I have postponed the Nuggets and Sixers game? Yeah, for sure. Just to make it, you know, a little bit fair. But it is what it is. I mean, they were still competitive. I don't know how that was even possible, but that that was, you know, a good effort from the 76ers. And the NBA is now, like I said in the last thing, this is in the last episode, this is where the NBA is going to have to make its mark. We've been praising them all year, all of last year, basically, or for at least the last six months. But how they've handled the situation, you know, in the bubble and so far with all these health and safety precautions. And now just starting to feel the effects. This is where the NBA has to kind of look at itself and say, okay, we have to handle this. We have to make sure our teams are enforcing these rules and regulations, following following the health and safety protocols. And hopefully we can continue the season because, like I said, off the top, they still plan to move forward. And as, and they're going to need to, you know, you know, put their foot down. They're going to have to, you know, check in on these teams, make sure they're following the right guidelines just so outbreaks won't happen and we can continue on. So... As an NBA fan, and I think a lot of NBA fans can um, relate to this, 
we just hope you know these guys you know follow the hope the health and safety regulations so we can continue and complete the season no questions asked so yeah hopefully they you know figure this problem out you know um hoping that jason tatum robert williams um are good after testing positive i think they were asymptomatic so that is a good thing and then kleber also you know hopefully he doesn't have it and just hope that a lot of other players just do not get it as well let's move to this um we're gonna talk go away from the COVID talk and going into some of the headlines in the nba over this weekend and one of the things i've noticed um over this weekend is the charlotte hornets and i'm gonna start with the obvious um one of the reasons i decided to, to talk about this was because of Lamelo ball and i'm gonna say this right now he needs to start he definitely needs to start at this moment um over the weekend, I believe it was Saturday, Gomelo Ball became the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. And it wasn't like, you know, one of those, you know, 11-point, 12-rebound, 10-assist type of triple-doubles. This was a 20-10-10. He played absolutely fantastic in that win over the Atlanta Hawks. And this, and like I said, this wasn't like a, you know, one of those like low triple-doubles. This was a really good game from the guy. And he beat out Marco Fultz, who... If you guys remember, in his rookie season, um, final game of the regular season, he was the point guard, and he was able to get a triple-double to end off the year. So, yeah, good good job for Mo Ball. And, you know, that is a pretty big milestone, in my opinion. Um, being the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double, that is pretty big. And he hasn't been playing well for just this game. I don't even like want to like talk um, say that because he has been fantastic so far this season coming off the bench in his limited opportunities. You could talk about, you know, how he's coming off the bench and stuff, and I talked about it in my last episode. He is like a really good rookie, but he just needs to be given the opportunity. And now I think it's a time. I think it's a time now. Um, he is kind of being wasted on the bench. He could literally be their lead guard. Terry Rozier has been doing really good this season. Um, he's actually outperformed, um, Devontae Graham, which I wasn't expecting this year, but I will get into Devontae Graham later. But Terry Rozier, you know, on the season, averaging 20 points a game, three rebounds, three assists. He is like, honestly, the perfect shooting guard for them at this moment. Put in Lamelo Ball, who has just like a good sense of the floor, a good sense of just, um, h- how to play on a basketball court as a point guard is just He's it's just been growing right before our eyes. And if you remember, you know, very early into the season, we weren't seeing that whatsoever. In his first game, he, I think, only attempted five shots, zero points. It looked like he was just timid, he was shy, and he just didn't want to get involved in the offense. But as the game start, you know, you start going forward, he's getting used to the system. He, he has been balling out, no pun intended, over these last few weeks and just the growth right before our eyes just from like the first few games of the season to where he is now it's time to give him the keys it's definitely time to give him the keys to the car right now he's averaging 12.4 points a game six rebounds six assists you move him to the starting lineup i could definitely see those going up to maybe you know 17 7 and 7 maybe even higher and i think it's just time to put him there the team, his teammates love playing with him, and he just has a like a good sense. I mean, like I said earlier, he didn't even want to take a shot early in the season. Now he's like faking passes, going to the rim and stuff like that. It's been absolutely fantastic to see from him, and I just want to see him out 
on that basketball floor. And another one of those reasons why I just think that, you know, um, right now is a good time is Devontae Graham has been struggling. I was a big fan of him um, last year, um, 18 points a game last year, um, being their lead guard. Even for a short period of time, he was in those, you know, discussions to be in the All-Star game very early in the season, but he was still in those those discussions. And so far this season, he has been horrible. Absolutely horrible. 11 points a game, 6 assists on 27% um, from the field. Let me repeat to you that. 27% from the field, 30% from 3. Devonta Graham has just not been good. And, you know, he's trying out there. He's actually getting a bunch of minutes, which kind of confuses me, like, for James Brego. I mean, there's times where Devonta Graham just couldn't get his offense going, and he would still be playing 37 minutes when Lamelo is actually showing some promise. And I think it's the time now. I mean, like I said, Lamelo just has, like, a better sense um, on the court. And even though, you know, he's not the best defender, I think he makes that um, backcourt a little bit more defensive just because of his size. And I think it was Javon, Devontae Graham just in general just fits the six-man role better. You know, going up against second units, being an absolute flamethrower, I think it's just time for him to kind of accept that role. And I think the Hornets would be better off going down that route. Because not only is playing good, they're on a... Their whole team is. I mean, they're figuring something out with P.J. Washington at the five. Gordon Hayward is having a fantastic season so far. He also had his career high in points last week. Like, it's just, like, looking good for the Hornets, who are at 500 right now. And I think it's time, you know, like I said, just it's time to give him the keys to the car. And I think, like, the Hornets could surprise some teams, especially if Lamelo starts, like, filling out his game, improving. And I just think this, this Hornets team is a fun watch, and I think it's just time to, you know... They drafted him number three overall. They're looking at him as the future of the team. I think it's time for him to um, be able to get that full opportunity. So, Charlotte Hornets, get this man on the court. Get him in that starting lineup. Let's go to a team who's overachieving over these last week or so. To a team that's heavily struggled um, over this past week. And that is the Atlanta Hawks. And I don't know about you guys. But something ain't right about them. And you can kind of point to a few things. One of them being the injuries. Danilo Gallinari has barely played this year. Bogdanovich had a had a minor injury coming into um, the game two nights ago. And then he injured his knees. So he's going to be out indefinitely. Hopefully it's not too long. They still haven't seen Onyeko Kongwu. Just because like he hasn't been able to recover from his injury. I believe he should be back by February. And speaking of February, Chris Dunn still hasn't really played this season, and Rondo has had nag injuries as well. That's five guys, and those are all off-season additions to this team. So they couldn't, they haven't really been able to build the chemistry. They haven't built that continuity yet, and that's just a problem. I mean, that's this is something that's definitely out of the Hawks' control. But there's a reason why they've been struggling. It's just because they cannot get their lineup healthy, because we've seen at near full strength that the, these Hawks are a good team. But it's definitely hard when you have these pieces moving in and out of your lineup. And I know I've talked about in the past how the Hawks, you know, have basically a 10-11 man deep roster. But when with all these, you know, rotation changes and stuff like that, all these, you know, people coming in and out, it's just going to be hard to build that continuity. And that is definitely one of the reasons why they've had they've struggled. And they've lost, you know, four straight or five out of their last six. That's just been a, quite a problem for them as of late. 
But I want to point to something else, and I think this is kind of like a bit more of a talking point. Trey Young has not looked good this past week. Barring his, you know, his 42-point performance versus the Knicks, he hasn't looked good. And he hasn't, you know, been that Trey Young that we've seen early in the season, having that confidence, have, like looking like a top-five point guard. We haven't seen that. And one of the games I want to look at was, we talked about how Lamelo Ball got a triple-double and that went against the Hawks on, on, on Saturday night. Trey Young completely, you know, pooped to bed. Lamelo Ball outclassed him in that game. Lamelo had a triple-double. Trey Young had seven points on nine shots. That's just unacceptable. And I know he's had these um, nagging wrist injuries and he's trying to play through it. But as a star point guard on a team with playoff aspirations, this is just unacceptable. Unacceptable. You're supposed to be someone who, like, the team feeds off his energy. The team feeds off how well he plays. And when he's playing well, you know, it takes pressure off the other guys. And she's just not being that guy right now. And, you know, and there have been, you know, some a little bits of drama, you know, in the Hawks over the past week as well. Because reports have come out, have come out that John Collins called, called him out on it during a film session. You know, I, I don't want those things. Um, if I was the Hawks, I wouldn't want those things coming out of a film session. But it's out there. And, you know, we know that John Collins called him out on it because they haven't been playing well. And they know that they have to be playing better. But it all starts at the top with this team because Trey Young has gets all the attention is the one that gets all of the, you know, all of the, you know, helps alleviate the pressure from everyone else. And he needs to regain that confidence he had early in the season because without that, they're not going to go anywhere, these Atlanta Hawks. And they're starting to fall back down to earth after starting up 4-2. And, and they're going to have to find a way to, you know, find that groove once again. So... In terms of the Atlanta Hawks, hopefully they can get things going. But the two things here. One, they have to focus on trying to get Trey Young, you know, his confidence back. Try to get him into his flow. And secondly, just try and get healthy. Because this team is a dangerous team when healthy. But the question is, you know, like I said in the past, availability is the best ability you can have. Because you cannot showcase any of your skills if you're in a suit, if you're in your track suit on the sideline. So... If they can get their guys back, if Trey Young can gain confidence back, I'm, uh, they can get back. They can get back to like how they were playing earlier in the season. But that's still big ifs because those are a lot of injuries, and Trey Young hasn't been playing that well. So I think the Trey Young thing is probably the most possible, just trying to get him back into his flow. But more than anything, just hope that the other guys do just come back soon and healthy. We're going to be talking about more of these struggling teams as we move on to the Washington Wizards. At the time of recording, they stand at 2-8. And, and over the past week, Bradley Beal has had two phenomenal games that have ended in L's. I talked about it last game um, on Friday. Bradley Beal had a 60-point game um, against the 76ers, and they lost. They lost. And then over the weekend, he had another 40, like a 40-plus point game. He scored 41, and they lost. Their most competitive game so far over the past week was a game where Bradley Beal and Russell and Russell Westbrook didn't play against the Heat. They were only they only lost by four. They lost one twenty eight to one twenty four, and you know they've they've shown like their promise of the other guys 
because um, without them there, you know, they're going to need to, like, you know, focus more on the team aspect because they know if Westbrook and Beal there are there, they're going to be getting the majority of the shots. And that last game against the Heat, they played more team basketball. Not saying those two aren't needed, but I think what that game showed us against the Heat yesterday is that Brooks, or so Scott Brooks, their head coach, is just not using the, the rest of his pieces right. And one of those pieces I want to focus on is Denny Avdia. I claimed him to be my guy from this draft. I love this play style. I thought he's a great ball handler, good rebounder. And he, he's not like one of those guys who come overseas, who come from overseas, and you know they say, oh, he has defensive issues. He's a pretty good defender if you, um, you know, if he's motivated enough. But the thing is, you know, he hasn't really been involved in the offense with Beal and Westbrook on the court. He has kind of been reduced to a spot-up shooter. And this is Denny Avdia, the guy who can basically do it all on the offensive end. You know, he's a pretty good defender defensive end. And they're just reducing, Scott Brooks is reducing him to a spot-up shooter. In that game against the Heath, he had a, his career-high 20 points in the game, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. He's shown what he could do when given the opportunity. And I'm not saying, you know... Um, you know, them not involving others is the reason why they're losing. Because a lot of that has to be due to defense. They're like bottom three in the league. But the offensive load and the offensive game plan could be a lot different. Of course, Beal's going to get his shots. He's probably going to get 30 a game. But B- but Brooks needs to learn how to use, you know, his other players on his roster. Danny Avdia is a good player. They saw some things from Rui Hachimura in the past. He's not even using Troy Brown. And there's just other players on this roster who can help, you know, lessen the load for Bradley Beal if Scott Brooks just knew how to use them. And instead of, you know, just, you know, reducing them to, you know, watchers on the play, just use them to their strengths. Because I really do believe the Washington Wizards have the pieces to be an okay team in the East if they use their pieces correctly. I know Russell Westbrook hasn't really been in the lineup. He's had these nagging injuries. But when Beal comes back after his... um. I think he, I didn't mention this earlier, but he's also out with like COVID, you know, issues as well. But I just think that if you just use these guys correctly, you can have a good team out there. But Scott Brooks, and that's another reason why, you know, a lot of Wizards fans is calling for his head. They're just not, you know, just getting it. Like, he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get how to use the other players on the team. Because I really do think they, um, like I said, are a good team. They can make the playoffs. But he just needs to, you know, change up the offensive game plan, have his guys compete on the defensive end in order for them to do well. And the defense, you know, it's less likely for them to have the defense out there. But as long as he can, you know, maybe get his other guys going on the offensive end, I think that's where they can make their bread and butter. So, yeah, Scott Brooks, just you have these good players. You have these talented players. I mean, you drafted Denny of the ninth. There's a reason why... Um, their organization are fans of him. Use his strengths, please. Let's move on to this. Um, we've gone from two struggling teams to a team who's again overachieving. I've talked about you know the Knicks in the past and stuff like that, but this team, man, they were supposed to be taking this year, but right now they sit, um, I believe just over five hundred or at five hundred. And I'm talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. In a year where fans and management alike believed they were going to tank, they're exceeding expectations once again. 
I mean, yes, they rank last in offense. They have the lowest offensive rating in the league. But they have a top 10 defense again. They're just playing great. They, they are. Shai Gildas Alexander is almost averaging 20 points a game. 5-5. Five and five. Lou Dort is averaging 40 points a game and looking at a, like a steal of a contract. Hamoudi Diallo over these last two games have like has been an awesome six-man um, leading these guys, helping Shea lead them to victory. And we haven't even talked about Darius Basley, who's had his moments this year. But, you know, he's still trying to figure things out. And, you know, I still think there'll be a lottery team. They'll definitely will. But it, I just, they're just going to stay competitive, which is, I don't, I don't think the OKC fans want this. I mean, they do have a treasure of draft picks and stuff. But they were hoping, you know, to get that, you know, next guy to put beside Shy or, you know, a top pick in this draft to help them out. But they're just going to stay competitive. And these NBA players, some of the most competitive players in the world, they're going to be trying hard. Especially when you have winning players like Al Horford, who has won not championships, but has been in winning cultures in Atlanta and then, you know, in a playoff situation in Philly. Same thing with George Hill throughout his entire career. He's only known, you know, to fight for the playoffs. And they're still doing that, but mixed in with, you know, some of their talented young guys, they're actually resulting into wins. And like I said, you know, they, they have a treasure trace of draft picks. They're probably going to make some trades. And I think, honestly, Obviously, you would want a top pick. Obviously, if you had Oklahoma City Thunder, but the fact that you're getting this competitive spirit from their young guys leads me to think that they're going to be just a really good team in the future. Already, just add to that young core, mix in with their talent, their fight, their defensive prowess. I think this team is going to be fantastic, and you could just tell this year, even without Chris Paul, they're still doing fantastic. And I think like having that, you know good you know this good play mixed in with the treasure pick um chest of picks i think the, the okc thunder have something there and i think you know, with shea leading the charge and just having these good contracts you know besides the al horford one you know out there i think this team could be really good down the line and this is a team to definitely watch out for because like i said i thought they were going to be dead last in the west um and stuff like that but they're definitely exceeding expectations once again so you know good on them for playing extremely hard right now and you know maybe time to get some wins maybe this is just a chance for them to you know build a trade value of Al Horford and George Hill to trade them at the deadline but I think this is definitely something they can build off of not just for this season but going forward before we move on to the final segments of this episode, I'm going to hit you with some injury updates. Like I said and be- oh, like I said before, Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Atlanta Hawks suffered a fractured right knee and will be out indefinitely. Definitely a tough loss for the Atlanta Hawks who are missing many of their offseason pickups like I mentioned before. Hopefully Bogdanovich comes back soon. And like I mentioned in the Wizards um, section, Thomas Bryant will be... I know I didn't even mention this in the Wizards section. Thomas Bryant will be out for the season with a torn ACL, which he suffered Saturday night. Which is highly unfortunate because this is the best big man that they have on the roster. He was averaging like 17 points a game before the injury as well. He's a very good rebounder and he was having a good year, man. A career year. And sadly, he has to go down with a really bad injury. Second toward ACL of the year. It, it's just unfortunate for the guy. I mean, Marco Fultz had it last week as well. Two torn ACLs in one week is just highly unfortunate. 
Mo Wagner will definitely get will, will most likely get the starts um, now that Thomas Bryan is no longer available. But it's just a tough loss. It's a tough loss, and same thing for Bogdanovich. Same thing for Bryan. Hopefully they come back um, good and healthy. Bogdanovich will probably be back in a few weeks or so. But Thomas Bryant, I just let's just hope that he comes back and gets back to you know his winning like his good production because he although he's not a great defender, he brings a lot on the offensive end and he has shown that this year for the Wizards. So it's gonna be a tough rehab for him, but I have a feeling you know with his energy, with his passion, that he'll want to get back on the court. Now let's move on to just some of the weekly segments we have here. And again, we are back with the power rankings. This was definitely a hard one to do, but a lot of teams are getting better. We're starting to um, see how the league is shaping up. And two teams have dropped once again this week. And two teams who have been here in the past have made their way back. So this is going to be a cool, um, this is definitely going to be a fun segment for today. But here we go. Here are TV's NBA power rankings for the week and we start off at number 10 and returning to the power rankings list we have the denver nuggets right now sitting at five and five it was a tough choice between either them or the utah jazz but the nuggets have definitely started to find their role Jokic is playing ridiculous you know they really could have been you know six and four if they won that very close game with the dallas mavericks which they probably should have won because they were um um, in control for 90% of the game. But they've been starting to find a stride, and it looks like, you know, Jamal Murray is starting to f- develop a little bit of consistency, but, you know, the other people around them, such as Will Barton and stuff like that, are are giving them some, some production. And they're doing this without Michael Porter Jr., who has been out for, I believe, 10-plus days at this point and is still quarantining after coming in close contact with someone with COVID. So, yeah, the fact that they're playing well, and they're still waiting for Michael Porter Jr. Definitely giving them some hope. And that's why they returned on this list. Number 9 is a team that has dropped from number 6. We have the Brooklyn Nets. Who are sitting right now 5-6. and six. I know that their stars have kind of been in and out of the lineup. They had a really good win against the Utah Jazz early last week. Winning 130-96. to But it's just been a rough week. I mean you could tell that they missed Spencer Dinwiddie a lot. And... You know, they just haven't been, like, playing as well as... They just haven't looked, you know, the same as they did in the early parts of the season. Even yesterday, they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they had Kevin Durant in lineup. Like, they lost by 10-plus points. So, yeah, not looking good for the Brooklyn Nets. And that's why I have them at number 9. And a team returning to the top 10. And at coming in at number 8 is we have the Golden State Warriors. Six and four right now. They're like top six in the West right now. And they got a big win over the Raptors yesterday. And I consider that a big win because even though, you know, the Raptors are struggling, I don't really want to talk about it. It's just kind of depressing to talk about. But, you know, Steph Curry was only held to 12 points in that game. Fred Van Vliet played excellent defense on him throughout the game. And the other people stepped up. I mean, this was the game where. Um, people like Andrew Wiggins had his moments. Javon Green had his best game of the season. You saw some things from, you know, Brad Wanamaker and stuff like that. Damian Lee. And he just needed that game just to prove, like, you know, 
This builds the confidence of the bench. This builds the confidence of people around Steph. Because we know Steph is going to have his games. But if they can win while he, while he is struggling, that is definitely a nice confidence boost. And right now, they're rolling. And that's why they sit at number 8. Coming at number 7 is a team who has actually gone up by a spot in these rankings. And we're going to be talking about the Indiana Pacers at number 7. 6-3, and three, they're still staying competitive. The only thing I'm worried about them is they're still trying to figure out that TJ Warren spot. They in, they inserted Aaron Holiday into that position, and he has not looked good. Maybe throwing in maybe Doug McDermott, maybe throwing in Justin Holiday would maybe fix that out. But right now, it's just looking kind of stale at that position. But um, they're still playing well. They're definitely still playing well. And that's why I have them at number 7. Coming in at number 6, another team that has moved up a spot. We are talking about the Phoenix Suns. They've had big wins over the Toronto Raptors this week where they have hit 22 threes. A big win over the Indiana Pacers. And they're just getting some good contributions all around. And that's kind of been the theme of the Suns this this year because... Devin Booker hasn't played for this whole potential. DeAndre Aiden hasn't. And Chris Paul is not like, I mean, he's playing fantastic, but he's not having, you know, his all-star type stats. I mean, just this week alone, you've seen great games from Cam Johnson, a career-high performance from Mikel Bridges. The whole team is starting to fill itself out, and the fact that Devin Booker doesn't have to go for 30 every night for them to be competitive is just a really good sign for this team. And with the way things are going, they're definitely going to continue to move up this list. So at number six, I have the Phoenix Suns. Coming in at number 5, we have the LA Clippers. They are 6-4 and four at the moment, and they had to drop a couple of spots because they've had some rough losses, including a 22-point um, lead that was absolutely just vanished in that Golden State game, and they just got destroyed by Steph Curry. I still consider them a top contender this West, but this little slip-up this week definitely had them dropping a few rankings, but they still look good. Um, good performance from Kawhi Leonard yesterday, who reached, again, 10,000 points. And I th- if they start getting things going, they'll definitely move up the list. But right now, I have him at number 5. Moving in at number 4, we have the Milwaukee Bucks. They're staying at that position. They had a 3 and one league, but they just little intricacies of their team that they just still haven't figured out. Um, Eric Bledsoe, I mean, not Eric Bledsoe, just, uh, Drew Holiday, who they brought in. I mean, has been good, but I really want him to involve him more. Chris Milton still has having a great season. There was a small injury scare for Giannis, but I think he should be fine. It was only a day-to-day thing. But if they start going, um, you know, building up some momentum, building up steam, they'll definitely move up this list. But they, um, they still, just, they just still need to, you know, figure out like how this team is going to work together, because the bench has kind of been on and off this season as well. There's still some like these like little problems that I think they have to address, but they're still gonna be good. They still have gonna have a top MVP candidate, and that's why they are still sitting at number four. Coming at number three, who um, is a team that is who was a number three last week, so they are keeping their position. And I'm gonna be talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. They still sit number one in the East, and they really could have had a better week if it wasn't for after roster being injured. Joe Embiid having a, na- a nagging injury. All these players having to follow health and safety protocols. Steph, Seth Curry with COVID, and Ben Simmons obviously with the knee issue. 
they have so many guys injured, and that kind of like really hampered their week. But they're still a top team in the East, and as long as Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons get back, I think they'll be fine. So, yeah, I mean, it was a kind of a rough end to the week, but I still have the Sixers coming at number three. A team who made a big jump this week in these power rankings, coming in at number two, we have the Boston Celtics. A perfect week this week, going 4-0, and and... I mean, it's the only thing that's rough about this, similar to the 76ers, is that they are losing two key pieces of the rotation, and obviously Jason Tatum, who was their best player, and Time Ward, Robert Williams, who also tested positive. So it's going to probably be a rough stretch for them, but I still think they have a deep, like a decently deep team. Um, hopefully Kemba Walker comes back soon because there have been reports that he is back in practice. So hopefully he comes back. Hopefully that goes well. But... They this is definitely looking good for the Boston Celtics. Like I said, undefeated week, and they move up quite heavily in these rankings. So um, last week they were number five, now they're number two, and yeah, good week for the Boston Celtics. They they get to move up quite heavily. And then coming at number one, you already know the drill. We have the Los Angeles Lakers. They don't even look like they're really trying. They have the best record in the league. It really just feels like the Lakers are just a whole level above the rest of their competition. And they're going to stay number one just because they're the freaking Lakers and they're still playing well. So, yeah, number one, not much to talk about there, stays the Los Angeles Lakers. So, yeah, those are my power rankings. Let me know down in the comment section of the video. Shoot me a DM. Um, leave it in the comment section of my Instagram post as well. Um, if, if you agree or disagree, I have a post on my Instagram just showing the full list, so feel free to debate yourselves there. I'm going to definitely be in the comment section, but um, it's definitely looking pretty good there. And now we're going to move on to the last segment of the show. It is my game of the week. I know I didn't post, you know, the you know the graphic on Friday for, you know, what my pick was and everything, but I chose the Jazz um, who are plus eight on the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe. They actually ended up winning that game, so good win for them so now i am back at three um back at 500 i am three and three on the year and now we move on to this game and the toronto raptors are fa- facing the trailblazers tonight and the blazers um line is minus four in this game i'm definitely taking the blazers because the raptors had a hard-fought game against the warriors yesterday coming up just short of winning that game and although, you know, they're starting to piece things together and stuff like that, and I think they'll still be competitive, I still think the Blazers, you know, being more fresh, having Dame, having um, CJ McCollum, will just be kind of too overwhelming for the Raptors at this point. And I could definitely see a game where Damian Lord and CJ combine for, like, what, 60 um, points or something like that. And I think the Raptors will just kind of be fatigued from yesterday's game. So, yeah, four points for the Blazers. I will give it to them. I think this is probably be like a 10 plus um, game loss, but hoping for a good result. But this is definitely, uh, I'm definitely going to be going with the Blazers here. And I think this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for some great content. Um, I'm going to be back again on Wednesday on YouTube, so remember to check that out for another YouTube-exclusive video. And on Friday, I have a very special guest coming on. We recorded over the weekend, and I'm not going to tell you guys just yet, but check out my Instagram page. I believe I'm going to be posting the graphic on Friday to announce who is going to be joining the show on Friday. 
<laughs> I know I said Friday a lot, but yeah, it was a really fun um, interview. And if you don't want to miss it out, remember to, you know, set those subs- um, subscribe to my Apple podcast, subscribe to my YouTube. So you won't miss out on that. Again, thank you guys for all the support you guys have been giving me over this past year and excited for more NBA basketball coming up soon. But I hope you all have a fantastic day. TV signing out. Take it easy, guys.